Hey, everybody. It's the A to Z podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. We're at Dre Knott, at Akron Jackson on most of your favorite social media platforms. Shouts to Blue Wire. Shouts to American Fireworks, our longtime friends in Hudson. Always open at AmericanFireworks.com. It's gift certificate season. It's always tell them A to Z sent you season. Um, yeah. We're back. We're rolling. Uh, gosh, Jerry, how, many, how, how many years does a podcaster need to uh, have a podcast to realize how to plug their mics in correctly? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if we went through all the technical delay, I mean, we would be out of time. We'd have like 15 more podcasts out. Yeah, I mean, they pay us for our pretty faces, not for our technical prowess, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. Uh, um, all right. You just came back from Cincinnati and... um. I always tell our the baseball traveling team, especially when we have new people, like I'm like, hey man, you can't mess up as bad as Andre's messed up on his trips to Cincinnati, or like, what's your favorite trip to Cincinnati? Because we've had a lot. We've had Oktoberfest with Ocho Cinco and, and Team B and Chris Henry, uh, <laughs> rest in peace. We've had going up to the hills of of of, of Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> we've had walk on straight to the park day yeah I, I remember one time you were so hungover i had to guide you to the stadium on sunday morning yes <laughs> we had to walk give me a guess on what year that would have been oh six oh eight that's oh eight ish that's oh no 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 yeah that's oh six or oh eight ish because the year that uh our boy kept throwing the ball into the wind was oh seven right yeah 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 oh yeah man that that game is different maybe the franchise is different Right, me maybe. I it's you know it's funny you say that. Like one game could change a franchise, and in the NFL, uh, and you know Zach's covered this longer than he's had like normal adulthood life, if you want to call his life that. And it is amazing that one win, one way or the other, um, can change the way a uh, you know a franchise is looked at. And it was crazy when I was doing Brownstown, um, and talking to Romeo Cornell. Romeo could you know obviously he's he's wow he's probably coached or been a part of thousands of games. But when that game came up in Cincinnati, Zach, he could break down. And you know they can do this with all the games. But he could break down the third down play calls, why Chizinski called certain things, why their running game turned into what it was. Um, that one stick that that one sticks out, right? Because that was the year where you're just like, oh, one more win. We'll go to Cincinnati and take care mm-hmm. of it. And they never got it. Yeah, I mean, they you know, they got hot, right? They were ahead of schedule i guess or i don't know about ahead of schedule i mean it was is there a schedule what is there a schedule in the nfl now well you're right you're right probably not um i know we talk in those words but nowadays i don't believe that anymore well here's how that pertains that's 15 years ago right yeah Yeah. that was year three of romeo and phil that's -hmm. supposed to matter now they did make changes they changed both coordinators before that season correct but i guess when i say schedule and again i'm racking it back i mean the league was different then i'm not drawing a straight line um, and, I, and I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but but let's go here. Well, I'm bringing it up because of what we discussed, because we don't do right. this often. I brought it up. You know why I brought it up, because of what we're going to discuss. Well, sure. Um, I would say this. When I said ahead of schedule, I was referencing early in that year. You know, mm. they made NFL history. They lost so bad in week one, they traded the starting quarterback the next day. Right. And then they kind of got better. And this is my thing with the Cleveland Browns right now, one of many. They have not gotten better. Um, you know, beating the Bucks and then the Texans is the first time since the start of last year that they won even two straight. Wow. Right. Um, going back to last to mid-October last year, this has not been a good team, Trey. It it has not been. It's been inconsistent. I mean, there have been some similar issues. Yeah. But it's it's you you're not seeing progress, you're not seeing growth, you're not seeing guys come out of nowhere, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's a keeper. 
right? And some of it is instability that they signed up for. Mm-hmm. My contention going back to the spring is year three is supposed to matter. It's the first time since Romeo and Phil were in charge that they had a third year of continuity. Right. And that is supposed to show up on special teams. Mm-hmm. That is supposed to show up on your middle to bottom tier players, knowing yeah. which ones you really want, them knowing your schemes. You stealing a game is supposed to happen because yeah. you plugged in a guy that had been there. That's a great you point. trusted what you were supposed to do. And when does this Browns team do that? They don't. Damn, Zach, why are you you hitting? He's hitting with facts. Remember what he just said there. That's an important part because you even just changed my mind on some things because you're absolutely right. And one thing I, I wrote down after while I was watching the game the other day, it's kind of what you just hit on is that where is the depth of this organization with the players? Why haven't we seen more guys come to fruition? And I don't know. I'm not blaming Andrew Barry. I'm not, it's not a blame game at this point. They haven't gotten where they should get because you're right. When you have continuity, there should be guys that come off the special teams that can come in and play. There should be guys um, that were drafted two years ago that are suddenly your core special teams uh, players. You shouldn't have special teams issues. And I don't know if, if this goes into analytics and the importance of special teams, maybe not a part of that. I don't know. I'm throwing it out there. But usually when you have the continuity that you've had, um, you have a pretty good feel for who, is the, who are the gunners on your special teams teams. Who are the return guys on your on your special teams um, you get this kid that makes a great play in Houston. He throws his dad's going viral. Um, and, and I've, and I, and I know this is, and then he makes an all time bonehead play in yeah, a big game, but right. And he does, but like, and and like, and Gerard cherry was great about this, about individualism and how there's too many guys that play like individual still. And it's not like a team. And I think that plays into what you just said, Zach, I honestly do. Um, I, I don't want to kill that kid over that play because the problems of the Browns organization are way bigger than this kid running into the punter, but it exemplifies what's wrong with the Browns all in one yeah. play as well. Well, listen, the Bengals have major league punting problems. Like why I, I guess in watching them, maybe you think the kid's rattled and you can go get one, but I mean, he's more likely to shank it than anything else. Right. He basically did. You had the ball like the 38. Yeah. You? Like sometimes football is just let the other team make a mistake. Yeah. But when you're nervous, when you're nervously playing yourselves and you're nervous is uh, the Cleveland Browns are a nervous organization. And we can we can you know we can blame quarterbacks for their height, lack of maturity, lack of throwing ability. Um, their things they do off field that kind of make the season go left of center. But at some point in time, the buck stops with one guy, right? Whether you like him or not. And and I'm gonna say this about Kevin Stefanski. I'm sick of hearing people say, "Well, if he comes back, he can't call play. You got you take the play." Well then he's not the head coach. He was not hired not to call plays. And to me, like you can't, you, you can't have one or the other. Like if you don't, if you've taken his play calling away from him, he wasn't hired because he's a master at, at running a team. <laughs> like you're taking, well, sure. you're taking away the whole reason you, you brought the guy in. Now, did you bring the wrong guy in? But I just don't, me personally, and I'm not, and I'm not, Fire the coach, fire the coach guy. Nine times out of ten, I'll give a coach the benefit of the doubt. In this one, though, I think they really have to look in the mirror because for those that think, well, he's always looking at his play sheet. Well, no shit. That's what got him hired, Einsteins. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, and, and I would say this too, Kevin. I think a lot of the perception of Kevin is his unwillingness to be a human being in yes. public settings, right? right? And then the TV camera pans over, which he doesn't choose when the TV camera pans over. He coaches the team seven days a week. 
But the TV camera pans to him 11 times from one to four on Sunday. And seven of them, he's in the play sheet. Fans say, this guy's a robot. This guy's in his play sheet. He's not coaching his players. Which is bullshit because really what we're going off of is what you just said. And this go, and we said this about, <laughs> we've been through too many of those. We always say when you become the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, you basically become the mayor of not only Berea, not only Euclid, not only Parma, not only like Fairview Heights, Fairview Park, you name Akron, you name them. But you are the mayor. You speak for Cleveland Browns fans every single day. And whether it's Romeo Cornell making a side joke basically about th- throwing a, a, you know, a, a picking a coin and flipping it about a quarterback. That never happened. But people run with that more than right. they run with their – or kids will be kids. Kids well, take that, their shoes off and run around all the time. Like, we all uh, – what was that? What was that? And I'm genuine right now. I mean, we could go through all these coaches. I'm going to – don't come asking me for playoff tickets. Like, you remember all of these press conferences as much as you remember the plays that were made. Yeah. And for Kevin Stefanski – he has zero personality to the average Brown fan. And to me, I couldn't tell you one good thing about him personality wise. Um, and look, we all have the right to give a, give what we want of who we are in our personality, but his personality has not bought him any time. Like, you know, during COVID years, he had girls wanting to buy underwear with his face on it, but not, <laughs> but I mean, that's about it. You have some women. And I don't even, I don't even see the tweets anymore from the women that love how he looks. And because he hasn't, and I'm not going to say sold himself, um, I don't think there's a lot of people that are fighting for Kevin Stefanski to be here, and, and I don't want to put that all on him because what happens on Sundays is the most important thing. But what he does, says or doesn't say from Sunday to Sunday is playing into not many people having his back right now. Well, you know, last year it was late October, early November when Odell quit and the Browns let him quit, right? And then they played one great game, and then it's the wheels started to come off. Then in December, you know, we still weren't in the building. But then in December, it was pretty clear the head coach and quarterback did not like each other, did not have any use for each other. The team was a mess, right? So I don't know where these last four games are going to go. And we probably are never going to know the extent of the stress of basically having to play preseason games with your offense in December because you signed up for this quarterback who wasn't allowed to play till December. That goes ownership. But Dre, yep. But Dre, if it doesn't go well, from a game operation standpoint, from backup linebackers, tackling punters, and second-round draft pick safeties getting toasted on flea flickers and defensive holdings and hands to the face negating plays as much as rushing the punter was. Then you can say, well, I, I wonder about the head coach in this connection to the locker room for the second straight year, and then it's problems, right? Like, no one likes the fact that NFL owners are impatient. No one likes the fact the NFL coaches and regimes don't get to see things through because of the impatience, because of the nature of the business, the win now, the spotlight, the what have you done for me lately, right? But these are these are realities. We didn't create them. Kevin didn't create them. Yeah. And, like, there's a lot to play for for the Browns, even though they've been long been out of the playoffs. And that is, you know, not just painting this public image of where the fan base is with the coach and the, the organization presenting itself to the fan base as – is we are a little more stable and rational and functional than you think. But like, you know, if the coach stays and has to make a change at D coordinator and special teams coordinator, he's got to give the image to the guys he's hiring that he's going to be here for more than six or eight or 10 weeks next year, or else he's not going to have any chance to get the best guys. Yeah. And we've been through that part too, right? Yeah. 
The, and that you just you're hitting on some stuff. You're you're thank you for speaking the way you are because you're you're speaking the language that I understand. Um, and I think that's a good conversation that they have to have. If you do run who you have to run out of the building, uh, what leg does this does this head coach stand on? And what do and when you go out through and look, there's only 32 defensive coordinator defensive coordinator NFL jobs and special teams jobs. So someone will take the job. Right. But will the quality be as good if they know that you have a lame duck coach basically going into the next season? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like like, right. like the up and coming defensive coordinator is going to be told by his agent. Hey, we got to be careful. This is they're going to a situation where this head coach and now some will run and say, hey, go get that job. You you have a chance to be there and head coach and get a chance to, you know, there are there are agents and coaches like that. But are there right. it is perfectly fair to say if it came open. And again, I'm not trying to fire. I, I, I don't want to jump ahead here, but I, I need to fill in this this gap. You said something important. Go ahead. Yeah. Like there would be coaches lined up to coach this offense, right? There, there, there would be, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. but I think if you look around right now and you say across the AFC, would you rather be the Browns or X team? In most cases, you're not picking the Browns I'm talking about long-term health and stability. Like ooh, ooh. you're, you're not, there's jobs. If they did come open, they would be more appealing from a long-term standpoint. Now, long-term in the NFL, often you don't get there. We just went over that. Right. <laughs> yeah. But like, Teams in different divisions with more draft assets and more established young players. And ownership that you can In ownership, yeah. Like, that doesn't have a history of pulling the plug and mm-hmm. signing guys to $230 million contracts that you don't know can play. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it there. So, yeah. you know, the, the Broncos are a dumpster fire. Oh. The Cardinals are a dumpster fire. Yes, they are. The Colts appear to be a dumpster fire. Right? And what's what's similar about all those teams? The top. The top. Yeah. The top. The top. Yeah. Well, you said something about the last four games, and this is the hard part. And and, and like we as fans, it, like it's been every game since Watson's come back because they, they had no chance of uh, making the playoffs. What was the, the picture I sent you guys last night that they put up on ESPN after the Monday night game? The Browns are loitering. <laughs> towards the playoff just because they're not mathematically um, out. They've always been out because you, you've had two yes. different seasons going on. They lost and, three AFC home games by October 15th. Like, guys, they were out. Get a done, grip. son. They were done. Right. Stick a fork in them right then. Only people on their payroll told you they were still alive. Yes. Right? Now, yeah. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. In those four games, and I know some people won't like this in a room the wrong way, but we're, let's, we're, we're realists here. What is the motivation if for a guy if you have a if you have a guaranteed contract? Not and not Watson, because Watson has a lot to prove. And I think as an individual and as an athlete and ever, everything he's been through, he's gonna play his ass off. And there was a difference in who he was last week compared to the first week. Yeah, he was much better, but he still still sucked for the most I, part. Well, yeah. no, no shit. <laughs> he's playing his second preseason game in three and seven hundred freaking days, and the other team's getting ready to go to playoffs to make another run to the Super Bowl. They're like in two different worlds. I don't expect right. And some of his reads are just trusting his eyes. I, I saw a player that can win football games. Now, can he win them here with the way they construct things? That's another question, another place, another time. But, you know, like, all right, I just – and I know Miles Garrett says all the right things. I know Nick Chubb says all the right things. But if I'm those two going in the offseason, I got to question well, where the hell I'm at and who I'm getting paid for because you've basically thrown away a, a year and a half of their careers or at least a, ha- at least a year of the be- what should be the best parts of their careers. Now, Miles needs some maturity and, and, and some things. And 
in his game and in his life because I do feel like he could be better. And kudos to Joe, Joe Woods for finally moving his ass around on third down and letting him go up the A gap and going to different gaps and not letting teams just set up and know where he's going to be because the last two weeks they've done that. Uh, and they've been and and they and you can tell that Jadavian, I'm I'm all about my money, Clowney. Uh, he knows he's playing for his next contract because the last two weeks he's act like he actually gives a shit. But makes what a difference is the, when he plays, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. But what is the motivation though? I mean, the LSU safeties, I never want again. No offense to LSU, but they they can't remember read right or, or remember how to line up or what your keys are. It's frustrating to watch this defense because after Garrett. And I have a problem with the, with what they did with Chase. Chase is the only damn receiver out there that that anybody knew. And I know you have a talented guy as, as your number one corner. But what defensive coordinator or what defense doesn't say, why don't we jam him at the line and put a safety over the top since they've got some kid from Miami of Ohio running around with his long hair on one side and another guy that can barely get off the line? Like, what are you – like, you – so frustrating. To watch. Yeah, no, listen, I, I think we could say right now there's going to be a change in defensive coordinator, right? Yeah, it's got to be. We, we don't know if that's going to be the only significant change. And we could spend multiple podcasts breaking down exactly what that changes. Because this defensive coordinator clearly has, has not excelled on the job. But this year in particular, Dre, they got beat because teams figured out they didn't have NFL quality starting players in the front seven and just ran the ball right at them again and again no. and again. Bingo. Right? Now, you haven't developed a linebacker yet. Now, the Browns would have been 3-0 and without a historic meltdown versus the Jets. Historic meltdown versus the Jets, right? And that the coordinator at least has to take part of that blame. Got to take part of that and save some special teams. There have been – I'm driving home from Cincinnati the other night, and who's the late game? The Chargers and Dolphins. Chargers and Dolphins, yeah. They're lining up for the onside kick with 42 seconds left. Mm-hmm. And the announcers say only three successful onside kicks all year. And I'm th- saying to myself in the car, I remember one of them. I know one of them, yeah. <laughs> and that one should have been – and you know what? They they should have got that one in that Sunday night game. But you know what? I'll say this, and this goes back to head coaching. Think about the, where the Jets are today and where the Browns are today and go back to how you felt before the Jets came back. We thought the Jets were the car. We, we were the dumpster fire at the time. We thought the Jets were just the Jets at the time. They came back in that game, and I don't know. And I know. Look, Mike White, his ribs are still in between. He got killed last week by the Buffalo Bills. But look at what the Jets have brought along, and they've drafted. The, you know that Quinnen Williams has finally become a star. On a deep, their defensive line is is a bunch of men <laughs> up front. Are you um, saying and, that matters? Yeah. Oh yeah. And their corner that they went out and got from Cincinnati plays. Uh, the Ohio State wide receiver has been awesome. Uh, they they run the ball down your throat. Um, the Jets put a little. They got a they got a little team to them. Now they have a quarterback. It's not the BYU kid, uh, obviously. Uh, and and I think that should be something. That's something else that we could talk about. Just the quarterbacks that kind of grown up with the silver spoon doesn't always work so well when you got to stand in front of uh, grown men and try to lead them. Well, no, that that that's part of it too. Um, look. I'll just say where I where I stand on Stefanski. Um, I, I think these last four games matter. They matter to me, to my. I, I don't. I'm not in the decision, but they matter to my evaluation that shows up on paper and on podcasts, right? Um, I think it matters to the locker room because the Browns have the core of this team for at least one more year, right? And had it last year. I mean, there's some new guys. There's not a ton, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Continuity is supposed to matter, but it also, I'll tell you one thing that, that, that matters to ownership and I don't want to speak for them, but visuals matter, Dre. And this week their $230 million quarterback makes his debut 
at home. The game doesn't mean shit to the Browns. The game means everything to the Ravens. We don't know at this point if they're going to have their first, second, third, or fourth quarterback, right? Only the weather's going to be quarterback snap, Only Jackson quarterback taking Jackson taking quarterback snaps for them is going to be you. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the weather's going to be crappy. The home fan base has very little reason to be there other than to celebrate the guy that half of them don't like anyway. Oh, right? they're going to love him Sunday, and the T-shirt factory will be busy. Well, we'll see. <laughs> um, but other than that, then you have another completely empty stadium on Christmas Eve, and then you play two away games. It's going to mean something to the commanders. And then you play in Pittsburgh, where there's been 17 Browns funerals through the years. So there, there's a lot of season left here for a lot of perceptions, a lot of evaluations. And I don't think, again, and I probably would stick with this if I, if I was uh, having to take a side right now. I don't think there was ever any intention to make change, you know, until he gets to coach Watson for a year and until you get to build this offense. But if it doesn't go well for Watson, for interactions with Watson, for taking Watson out to put in the other guy to throw trick plays, right? Mm. For losing to the Steelers, guys, you're you're completely naive if you don't think everything is still on the table as far as Kevin Stefanski's future and where this organization that's gone stagnant and has clearly regressed over the last season and a half, everything is on the table because the Browns are not good enough. The Browns are not contenders right now. And the $230 million quarterback getting incrementally better over the next few weeks, it's important, but it does not change their status as non-contenders. Watch football, watch Patrick Mahomes, watch Josh Allen, and come back and try to argue with me. You can't. Ages away from those teams. Last thing I'll say upon this, and we can go to another subject. And I think you you hit on a lot of good things. Um, we're not in the locker rooms, and and those videos that we get to see post game, no matter what team it is. I mean, the coach knows he's he's on camera. Um, and I always tell you, you always I always tell you, and I say on this podcast, a lot of guys that I like or that I talk up highly or you know that I cover is because I know who they are when the cameras are off. I don't know Dan. I do know Dan Campbell. I don't know him personally. It's not like we're best friends. And I've met Kevin Stefanski and, and then look, it's a different era. It's 2022, almost 2023, but I got to tell you something as much as we wanted to laugh at Dan Campbell and, and, you know, and biting kneecaps and all that other crazy shit, he kind of seems like exactly what Detroit needed, right? <laughs> like, there seems to be a motivation with him, a, a craziness. Absolutely. Obviously. Um, I just, and I don't know Kevin Stefanski and I hate saying this because I sound like, you know, people on the radio that do it every day and, and they're just begging for, you know, something to hit. Kevin Stefanski just doesn't come off to me as the biggest motivational guy in the world. And you, and there's different ways to coach and win Don Shul, you know, like we can go through the history. Sure. Um, I just don't feel like the Browns in his time here have ever come out as a more motivated team or the more. You know, like, and it doesn't mean you have to yell and scream. I know coaching has changed, Zach. I'm not. I'm not going to be an idiot about this. But in the game of football, it's all right sometimes to yell and scream and, and take the paint off the off the walls and get a team fired up. And when I heard you just say over these last four weeks, why these last four weeks are so important, I don't know if a guy that's not a huge rah rah guy can get a bunch of guys motivated for four games that mean very little to some, because you know the reality of our it's world. It's going to be a hell of a test. Yeah. Because the reality of our worlds are real. There are some guys that are like, I ain't going, you know, already making plans to go to, you know, wherever, whatever great island they can go to. There's some veterans. That, like, I'll give you an example. Cooper. Cooper probably shouldn't have played last Sunday. And I'm saying that from afar. Um, and a lot of guys, and I'm giving him credit. But when you got a hip injury, you're a wide receiver. You can't open up. You can't get open. 
Um, you you played for a while. You, you instantly know scouts are like, oh, he doesn't. He, he lost a step or this or that. Or you can go out and get hurt worse. But he went out there and gave it a try last week, right? Well, mm-hmm. and I don't know if he did that person. I don't know him, so I can't say why he did that. You gonna keep doing that for four weeks if you keep putting him in the shit that he had to be in last week? Like that's well, I what I know about Amari, I think so. But then it comes to a point of what what are you doing? Who are you playing? Right, right. right. And what are you yeah. accomplishing doing that? I think both of us are here to say we're not sitting here saying Kevin Stefanski's fired, but Kevin Stefanski's gonna have to do some of the best coaching of his life to be. Yeah, and, and you're, you, I won't argue with that. But we don't even have to get to that point to say the whole dysfunction of the whole season and whole organization would speak to, of course, these games matter for the end because you're trying to play the quarterback and make up for lost time. But you also have the reality of you have a team of guys who are either in their prime or entering the backside of their prime, most of whom have guaranteed money for the following years. And if you're playing for nothing, you've got to play these other guys. you got to play the other guys. you got to develop. Some because guys. you have a two-man receiving core to start with. They've had two guys all year. Hey, should, right? DPJ, should DPJ have caught that ball? Late. He should have. He's he's had a great year, but he should have caught that ball. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's a tough. Ca- I yeah. I, it is a tough catch. Yeah, it's a tough catch. And I and I look, I've been impressed by what he's done this season. Uh, he's not a burner burner type guy. Um, but that was like I think that's where the season comes though. Like we rank guys on one play. Like damn, not like they would have won the game if he catches that ball. But it was frustrating that frustrating that he didn't come. Back. Yes, yes. It, it was. You know, the defense played well. In total, over four quarters, was it a winning effort? No. Was the defense good enough if the Browns managed the game differently? Right? Yeah. Maybe. Right? Well, the offense had three chances in the fourth quarter and didn't Yeah. Score. Yeah, they had you opportunities, know? man. And one of them, if you take the three points early, oh. one of those where you fail in the red zone, you kick a field goal, and you get a last drive at a, a chance, shot at it. Right. With Stefanski or with And then again, that changes everything. That changes the Bengals strategy too, because in the fourth quarter, they weren't trying to do anything other than take 40 seconds between plays. Right. Here's what I'll say to that. You you bring up something that did, and I hate being that guy, not taking that field goal. And I, and obviously the play that comes after it just is a double, double bogey, basically. But you got to start taking points. And whether you keep Stefanski or don't, there needs to be a real conversation about when to go and when not to go and what it does to you because it's their momentum killers. You go out and you get three and out, you go down the field, and then when the last play is that fourth and one play, that's a kick to the nuts, man. Not only to your fans, but to your coaching staff, to your players, because that makes the defense go back, oh, shit, here we go again. And then offensively, I I, I would say this. I I appreciate the conversation we just had about Stefanski, but if they want to be real and they really want to compete, they really have to have a conversation about why haven't they developed more players that they've drafted or brought I I agree, especially, Dre. When it's clear your drafting philosophy is to take 20 and 21 year old guys who by the end of their second year and into their third year are supposed to be thriving. And these guys aren't, they aren't, they aren't. Um, I mean, of all the, there's a lot of decisions to be made this off season. One is a fully guaranteed fifth year option for Jed Wills. You know, one of them is the last thing I was going to ask you is about the offensive line. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, the offensive line has not been good and and they're, they're hurt. They're banged up, you know? Um, Teller's not playing on two legs. They're on their fourth center. Conklin's and not. Jed Will, and Jed Wills yeah. has not been great. Right. And Conklin's not either. He's he's no, all banged up. He's beat up and all. I mean, but that's part of bringing a Jack Conklin in, right? Sure. Like, you, you, you didn't expect this, him to. This is what free agency is. And yeah. Jack Conklin, his first year was great, and your line was great. All right, let me ask you this. We'll, we'll move off the Browns. I think we, we pretty much see it. Who wins the AFC North? You've seen all four teams. Can Baltimore. Well, Hey, we had a real Baltimore Steelers game last week. 
guys were falling left and right. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I, I'm, I haven't been able to see it yet, but I'm legit trying to go back on that Ooh. on that app and watch the condensed version of that because I, I want to. Um, if the Browns win this week, the Bengals are winning the division. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. It would be surprising for Harbaugh to come in here and win with a fifth-string quarterback. Well, right. It's Tuesday at three o'clock, guys. We don't know if the Bengals or if the Ravens are going to be quarterbacked by their backup or their third string undrafted rookie. We don't know at this point. So that's that's um, an interesting one. It, it really is. All right. I got to get out of here in five minutes. We talked to Ohio State and Ryan yeah, Day and a, Mike. That Vrabel. means A to Z is back. He got to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this, because I meant to the other day. And of course, we we jumped in. Do you think at all, at all, that the change that was made out of nowhere, like two Tuesdays ago, when the Tennessee Titans, who were the number one seed in the AFC last year and are back or headed back to the playoffs this year, barring a complete melt, fired their GM? Do you think Ohio State possibly being open on January 2nd had anything to do with that? Mm, it has to be a little bit because I think we both think Mike, <laughs> I mean, Mike Vrabel is going to be able, because of the success he's had, because he's easy to sell, um, he's always it's always going to be there. He can hold that over Tennessee's owner's head, you know, for the re- until he leaves. He can have the Browns job. He can have the Ohio State job. I don't think the Ohio State coach is out. But I don't I, either. I don't either. I, maybe I didn't frame that correctly, but I know like, what you mean. if you lose two in a row to Michigan, and then you lose two games, period, yeah. with this team. Or if you get your doors blown off by Georgia. And it may not be firing him, Dre. It might be an NFL team taking Ryan Day. Ryan Day saying, I better go before they fire me. Yeah. (laughs) No doubt. No no doubt. Let's just be serious here. I mean, it's a part of it. There's something going on in Tennessee. That's why this league is so great, though, right? We know we don't know all the the ins and outs of the Browns, yeah. but we know we know dysfunction. When we when we spell yes, and what and, and we are the ones that coined December and Berea. And what is one of the constant symptoms? Right, you start hearing things about who was aligned with who, mm-hmm. who wanted who, who stood up for who, who's never got along with who, and you maybe never document or vouch for those, right? You maybe just hear it in one place. But all the shit comes from somewhere, right? <laughs> right. And the well, Browns insist on having like 525 employees, and they wonder how things get out all the time. Right. 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 <laughs> well, here's John Robinson's issues, for those don't know, that don't know. The 2021st round pick was tackle Isaiah Wilson. If you're an NFL fan, you probably never saw him on a Sunday. But if you have a kid, you probably saw him on YouTube trying to do rap videos in strip clubs and never playing a game. Uh, they also had to trade for a broken down Julio Jones. They had the free agent signing of, remember this guy, Vic Beasley. Last time he made a play, it was in the Peach Bowl with <laughs> <laughs> in college against Ohio State. And then they had to trade in the draft last year of A.J. Brown. Now, what is unfair about the NFL? And I didn't even know you are going to bring that up, but I was already working on something about that. John Robinson did a hell of a job of probably pitting 40-some guys on their roster that's helped them win games. But those three, four names I just said, has his ass in the unemployment line right now. <laughs> right. And he got fired the day after A.J. Brown torched them. Yes. Right. So it didn't happen over the course of three hours, but boy, it accelerated it. And that, that takes us back to the top of the conversation. If those three hours in Cincinnati on that windy ass December day in 2007 go differently, maybe it's all different. Right. Yeah. Just like if the Browns don't take John Braindead Manziel and they take Derek Carr, who goes on to have a very slightly above average career. 
Maybe they make the playoffs in 16 instead of sitting records for futility. No doubt. Right? No doubt. It, it eight and eight, it, it nine and seven. Right. No doubt. And it makes you feel so much differently about your organization. Right. Because Before you be- get out of here, let me do the baseball minute. Cause you okay. get on it perfectly. Uh, I'll give you 30 seconds. I know that the signing of Josh Bell has become uh, legit. Mike Zanino will be the new catcher that'll help out. I, know I saw Mike Zanino play at the college world series. Thank you. He He's lost to Kent State. Kent State, yes. He's a first-round yeah. pick. Uh, he doesn't hit for much average, but he's got a ton of power. For those that are tweeting at me, acting ridiculous about it, um, the Guardians have a pretty good idea what they're doing, unlike the other team that we've been talking about for the previous 30 minutes. Is, was Mike Zanino the number one guy on their list to go out and get as a catcher? No. But when they saw what Sean Murphy was, what was asked for by the A's, that is not a trade that the Cleveland Guardians would make. And because they don't make those type of trades, you got to see playoff games last year. Mike Zanino, if healthy, could hit up to 20 home runs. He could sit in the bottom of your lineup. And if you have a guy that can hit 15 to 20 home runs in the bottom of a lineup, the way the Guardians played last year, um, I believe that'll be a positive. Uh, it's not about being sexy in December and January for the Cleveland Guardians. And the day that you think that's going to start, probably the day you should root for another team or think about another team because that's just not who they are. Uh, By the way, did you see our man Andrew Baker just tweeted at us, and it's great. He didn't even know. Uh, now you're either going to get the Jordan Trophy or the Jordan Face. The MVP <laughs> in the NBA is the Michael Jordan Trophy. The Defensive Player of the Year is the Hakeem Olajuwon uh, Trophy. Rookie of the Year is Wilt Chamberlain. That means you get 50,000 women after the first season <laughs> in the league. Sixth Man <laughs> of the Year is John Havlicek. Most Improved is the George Mikan Award. And New Clutch Player of the Year is the Jerry West Trophy. Jerry West has got to be somewhere stumbling, mumbling, and pissed. How do you go from being the logo to just being the new clutch player? So um, by the time people hear this, JOK is going to be on injured reserve. So we didn't know that when we started this podcast, but what did we talk about? What's there to play for? Who's still in? What's there to play for, yeah. I mean, it's been a disaster at linebacker. At least JOK is under contract for two more years. Anthony Walker, major injury, no contract. Jacob Phillips, second major injury, showed no ability to play in the NFL. None. Deion Jones doesn't have a contract. Right. Okay. Let me say Taki Taki, no contract, torn ACL. But let me tell you something. I would say two of the four of those guys have been hurt because they were undersized and they had undersized defensive tackles in front of them. Yes. It, has, it it's doesn't more make defense. sense. A monstrous Wait. defensive tackle helps you yes. unleash JOK. Yes. yes. If you're going to put JOK out there to be your middle linebacker, fine. But you got to put some Tony Syracuse's rest in peace in front of them. Amen. Like that's my problem with the organization. Yes. Amen. The fancy stuff you've said today are all legit. But it's bigger than one man. It is how they put this roster together that they keep running into the same problems. It sure is. Hopefully we'll be back later in the week. For Andre, I'm Zach. Talk to you soon.